Hey there, this is Dan Delta Collins. You're listening to Wandering DMs. Wandering DMs is broadcast live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time on twitch.tv slash wanderingdms and also youtube.com slash wanderingdms. And now, we hope you enjoy the show. everyone welcome to wandering dms i'm paul and i'm dan and on this episode of wandering dms we have a double shot of special guests we have both jim davis and jonathan pruitt who are of course our co-hosts and co-creators of web dm the emergent world building video and podcast series which we are huge huge fans of jim and jonathan uh, pruitt thank you so much for uh, joining us today yeah, yeah thanks thank for having you. us uh, thank you. yeah cool you know, before we get started, I should say that uh, Jim and Pruitt have previously been on the Wandering DMs channel twice, um, and you guys, we've been we've been graced with their presence uh, as a team on the Big Bad uh, last year, and they also joined us for the Tomb of Rehotep live play on Halloween. So this is the first time uh, that we've actually met you guys on the talk show when we're not uh, in the same characters. So it's nice to meet you like this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, I think I've been on once before yeah, yeah, had, by myself. Oh, right. Right, right. Um, mm -hmm. right. It was after Emma, Emma, Emma uh, was on. So that, that was Correct. when I was like, oh, oh, wait, those wandering DMs. <laughs> not the other one. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, she kept saying, be wandering DMs. I was like, oh, yeah, I know that guy from Twitter. Yeah. And then yeah. I completely was like, oh, yeah, there's also the other one. Anyway, glad to be here. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the, the 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 secret truth is actually there. I think there's three of us, but uh, really? uh, yeah, we're on good terms with them all, so it's we're happy to share handles. You never know who the real one is. That's right. Mm, right. <laughs> but, but yes, Dan, it is it is nice to uh, be on the show where you're not trying to uh, kill us. So it's, <laughs> you know, I don't know how weird that is. Maybe you've gotten used to that, prove it. And maybe it's oh, maybe extra weird that I'm not antagonizing you as much. <laughs> oh, don't worry, don't worry. Uh, I expect it. <laughs> so, of course, the reason that we got to have uh, Jim and Pruitt on the show today is that you guys have just recently started a Kickstarter for uh, the, the first product in a new series I think you're planning called Worlds of Web DM. And this book that you're rolling out is called Weird Wastelands, which is, I think, a toolkit for adventuring in places that have been scoured by evil magical energies. Um, and oh, yeah. you guys yeah. basically completely smashed through all the stretch goals, all the initial stretch goals when it just in a couple of hours on Wednesday. So oh, yes. we are really interested in hearing um, what the backstory of, of that product is. Uh, tell us more about the, what the product is in general. Ooh. Um, okay. All right. So this, I got, uh, I'll get this one. Um, yeah, it, it's a toolkit book. And in many ways, it's sort of like a supplement for fifth edition that we've been waiting for for a while now and haven't quite seen, you know, in, in it's entirely like the way we want. And um, the idea is that it's a big toy box toolkit, you know, whatever you want to call it, uh, you know, a book full of stuff for you to run games in this sort of implied setting and using everything we know about using encounter tables and equipment lists and background features and sort of that um, those emergent elements of D&D &D that make for such satisfying gameplay to like 
embed the tools that we're giving you with enough context and story potentials so that when you uh, use them, you have a really rich, engaging sandbox game that embraces this sort of weird post-apocalyptic uh, science fantasy aesthetic. You know, it's interesting that you say that because, of course, just one week ago, we had James uh, Malashevsky on to talk about injecting sci-fi in your fantasy games. And he has this whole thesis that I thought was really interesting that he refers to as secret sci-fi of um, settings that appear totally fantastical to begin with. And then you scratch the surface and you discover that some of the things that look magical turn out to be some some science fiction so it's interesting they just let drop i don't know if you were supposed to keep that secret jim but uh <laughs> it's interesting that let drop it that you're also thinking about the same kind of embedded or buried sci-fi bits in your weird wastelands product how how yeah, much of that how much of that is the undergirding is that just like a little side spice or is that was that really something you wanted to dig into there well i mean Prue and i are both fans of, of of science fantasy and and for me it was it was one of those genres of literature that like i came into and sort of discovered along with the retro clones and and those early osr days where it's like everybody's blogging about the 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 stuff that DD has forgotten or shed and and you know sort of used to have and i found it like such a invigorating and and uh you know just exciting genre of play where it's like is it magic is it not is it you know where is is this a piece of technology it's like the ambiguity of it is what i love mm -hmm. and the fact that you can have you know sort of like sword and planet style adventures one day or and then you know somewhere else you, you're having a, a different kind of uh sort of like maybe more sword and sandal type adventure or sword and sorcery like the ability to play in all of these different imaginary I don't know. I, I'm going to get really weird. This is the weekend, and I'm all heady, <laughs> so it's going to be vague. <laughs> like, but the ability oh, to get into these like imaginary spaces of play that aren't just waddle and daub taverns and 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 you know like knights and and you know orcs and goblins, but like something different and new, so that it's familiar. It's still D and don't want to make something completely different, but it's different. And that difference allows us to do a lot of uh, things that I think you couldn't necessarily get away with in a more traditional fantasy game. Yeah, I think, I think anybody who uh, has listened to us for more than like three episodes, like we talk about science fantasy a lot. And <laughs> going, going back to like Jack Vance and all, all that old stuff before, you know, the great Tolkien came and brought the hammer down on science fantasy <laughs> and forever it was shown and shorn in two, mm -hmm. two mm -hmm. fantasy and science fiction. But, like, when I think about, like, you know, the Weird Wastelands, I love that, like, the new He-Man cartoon just came out. Or the, the, yeah. like, the oh, trailer yeah, yeah. for the new He-Man. Like, I'm just like, yeah. yes, we, we have arrived in the right moment. Like, this is, this is exactly <laughs> yep. what, what should be. You know, the stars are aligning, uh, so to speak. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's just great to finally, like, just, just throw everything the whole the kitchen sink you know the the phased arrays the you know everything <laughs> awesome in in I, in terms of that that ambiguity you're talking about between like is it fantasy or is it uh you know is it magic or is it technology i'm curious in the in the book uh how much do you resolve that or are you just presenting a variety of options for dms to play with 
well, can we answer all? Like, <laughs> there's definitely things that are like, okay, this is this is magic. Like, we don't want to make it so alien and different that it's a huge hurdle for DMs to incorporate this. Because mm-hmm. one of the things we want is like they can make a whole campaign setting out of this, or this can be just like a region of their world for a few adventures. Like, they mm-hmm. don't want to let the party have a laser rifle forever once is okay you know and and so like we want to we want to embrace the ambiguity of it as much as possible but there are going to be times where it's like no this is a spell this is like traditional D stuff you can use a comprehend languages to read the writing on it and and or you know this is a summoned creature that's bound to an object um but then there's other times that i definitely want to be like this is a piece of technology like what we want to do and and one of the things i was inspired by is like include a you know, language and descriptors for the DMs to use so that they don't have to come up with that ambiguity on their own. Mm -hmm. So that there's like, how about just like a list of adjectives, words, descriptors, like of, of things to use, you know, instead of golem, it's a automaton or a construct or something like that, you know, um, instead of a robot rather. Uh, and so we want them to be able to adjust that on their own and to have what they need to do that. Um, so yeah. Awesome. I like that a lot. And obviously, I think a lot, you know, a number of things in a number of places in uh, the product, you're, you're reskinning or redefining classic monsters, which I think is really clever. I remember there was a really old Dragon Magazine article that did that of just like for every monster gave a big list of alternative names. Oh, yeah. And it's funny how much traction you can get out of that of just use a different name. And all of a sudden, the players are filling in, you know, in their in their minds, a whole bunch of extra stuff for yeah. you. Just with the with the power of that different name, so I think that's a really powerful technique. Really interesting. Definitely, definitely. Really interesting. Yeah. I... Let me, you know, think, like... thinking of different names and stuff like that. So you, you mentioned Jack Vance, which makes yeah. me think of linguistic flourishes. Um, what other pulp literature or traditions or inspirations was running around your guys' mind for this particular set of themes? You want to take this one, Pruitt? I, I will take up all the talk. It's loud. <laughs> oh, uh, no, I, 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 I talk good, man. Um, yeah, when it comes to uh, like where my head's at, uh, I have a tendency to lean more into like television and film as opposed to novels. Uh, but, but, I mean, you know, when you think about like Blasted Wastelands, like you're, there's just a slew. You just, just take your pick. Like, what do you want? Do you want Dune? Do you want, do you want Mad Max? Any of them? Uh, but really, like, you know, Fury Road is amazing as far as just, like, thinking of just, like, world building and, like, what's it like to live in the shadow of shattered, like, technology and society. Uh, but I'm, like, uh, I just rewatched Total Recall last night and just realized, like, wow, this uh, Total Recall. Yeah, this is just literally Dune on Mars with air instead of water. And, uh, <laughs> you know, so, like, I, I, I just... Um, I like s- sticking in in uh, in in uh, like shows like that because it lets me just like take one little image and then just like come up with an idea for something or uh, like I created a monster last night while watching Total Recall just like oh that's freaking cool that's cool you know uh, and so like I, you know draw inspiration from where it is like I I read so many like role playing books now like my actual like fiction reading has declined over the last few years sadly i mean it's just kind of like a side effect of just like 
if someone, you know, you know what it's like, because <laughs> you're supposed to, <laughs> we're supposed to be talking, you know, uh, intelligently about this, uh, cra- this, this hobby that we all play. And, uh, so, uh, yeah, like I, I like, uh, a, a good, anything that I can put on in the background. Uh, but there's been a lot of, uh, I'll say this, there's been a lot of X-Men. There's been a lot of, uh, uh, invincible recently for very particular reasons. Um, uh, cause I have been working on the scion. So like, I've been trying to like stay in things that have like some version of psionics in it. Uh, so bumping around from like clone wars to different parts of star Wars and, uh, just keeping my, uh, headspace, uh, kind of there. Um, but you know, everybody has their I got own two follow up questions. I got two follow up questions. One is which total recall. Yeah. The original <laughs> man, the original. Okay. All right, the Correct. original. Right. One point, one point for Pruitt. Second question. Open your mind. It's not entirely not antagonistic, just so you know. Second question. Uh, uh, our, our really good patron uh, Joshua mentioned you were you're talking He Man and stuff like that. You mentioned Thundar the Barbarian, and and we oh, yeah. had a friend that was just such a huge fan of Thundar. Have you guys? Have you, did you guys watch that at any point? Oh yeah, yeah. Thundar's amazing. Yeah, thund- thund- yeah Thundar's in there. So Saturday morning cartoons in general, just the. The, for me, like the the attitude of a Saturday morning cartoon, as I remember them from being a kid, is what I want to capture. Um, mm-hmm. The it, anything goes sort of sort of mindset, and for me, that is tempered with and and sort of like keeps a rein on the Gonzo by saying like, well, let's also take it seriously. Like, if you're going to introduce this thing, then you can just you know introduce it on the fly introduce the fact that there's advanced technology or whatever or that there were ancient aliens in your dnd world or whatever you know um but not to do it flippantly or to do it sort of like in a way that says it doesn't matter that this happened or it doesn't matter like no it matters take it seriously we, we want it to be serious in fact that sort of like attitude of taking it seriously is where i'm coming from personally with how i'm drawing on the inspirations because to me like he-Man and Masters of the Universe is definitely an inspiration. The Mad Max series, like all of them, uh, inspiration. Adventure Time would be another sort of like cartoony yep. element to it. I like the whimsy or the feel of it. Um, but what I'm really drawn from inspiration-wise are other D&D settings that have introduced an idea and either went a different direction with it or didn't take it far enough or it was only like a limited part. So like Dark Sun is a big inspiration. Right. Like the idea that this is just a, a terrible place. <laughs> that this is just, you know, that this planet, this world has been rendered, you know, virtually uninhabitable by the use of magic. Like that was one idea that I really wanted to incorporate, but in a completely different direction than the way they went with like preserving and defiling magic. That ours is just like, what if you took a more, say, uh, you know, like a route from Eberron where, you know, the, the material aspects of magic use can be industrialized? And eventually you can have mass magic use on a mass scale. Like, surely that's not good, right? <laughs> like typical D D world, we're talking medieval levels of magic use where it's like, okay, you know, an individual wizard or magic user might be corrupted by this or have something terrible happen to them, but it doesn't exist on a scale yet to like really affect the environment or society. But what if you started getting magic that did? And you start having magic that's like continent-wide or worldwide, and to take that, um, you know, further inspiration from Eberron, the Mornland is, is one. I'm not not sure how familiar you guys are with Eberron, but like, there's that part of the map where there was this, you know, century-long arcane war that lasted between these five nations, 
And one of them is just like wiped out. It's a magical wasteland. And no one quite knows why. And I was always like, the Mornland's cool. That's my favorite part of this setting. It's like <laughs> the way it's described is like, oh, you can come across this field and you can witness like a permanent illusion of what it was like for these people to perish in an instant because it's just it's a psychic imprint of just over and over again this thing happens. Or like, you know, the the these people or beasts or whatever that are still here have been warped and changed by the magic used or everyone in this city was petrified at once. Just the way there was like magic run amok and on a scale that could cause societal and ecological collapse. Like that's an idea that I worked in, um, in a personal game after we had a TPK at the end of a campaign and the bad guys won. And it was like, gosh, uh, <laughs> that would mean that the sun's blotted out because the vampire drow won and next campaign this place is a frozen hell world you know and everybody has to cluster around geothermal vents you know in the crust to like stay warm and you know thankfully because of magic they can eat and like that was a campaign that i ran like what 15 years ago like it's been a it's been a while it's been a while like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like it's the earliest edition. moment i can <laughs> right yeah third the bias is the earliest moment i can remember thinking about this hmm. and like there's direct lines of inspiration that go all the way back for that long about like taking some of this cataclysmic magic that goes on in a D&D world seriously and like what happens if the bad guys win and they like become a psychic super god or they blot out the sun or crack the earth in half or you know that's what weird wastelands is about is living and playing in the aftermath of that <laughs> You know, I was going to ask, it's interesting because I was going to ask how much of these ideas came from actual play or got used in campaigns or games. Because, I mean, we, I think Paul and I both find products that come out of actual play, are you can tell the difference. It's so much richer and deeper than something that was just, you know, get it on the market, get on DMs Guild in like five days or something like that. Right, and right. Uh, I very much sympathize with a... Uh, 20 plus year de development cycle. Yeah. When I was reading it, I totally got Mornlands. I totally got uh, Dark Sun. And, you know, the other thing for like for old school D&D products was the um, the known worlds, uh, which was the campaign setting for D&D Basic back in the 80s. There was the known world setting and they had an area called the Broken Lands which I think in later iterations, they explained in terms of a techno artifact accident. And they actually, they actually tied it into Dave Arneson's Blackmore setting, which was supposedly mm -hmm. the, the ancient past of that world. And right off the bat, Dave Arneson, you know, before D&D &D was even itself published, was working in techno themes and accidents mm -hmm. and ancient artifacts and the city of the ancients and things like that oh, yeah. so it's a it's it's a wonderful legacy and pedigree to dig into yeah it was it was reading through uh, uh when necromancer games republished wilder lands of high fantasy and that was the first hex crawl i ever came across and just like i spent days just pouring through those books cover to cover and would come across a hover sled just abandoned and sitting there like wait a minute this this, this thing started because of aliens you know and, <laughs> and it was just like at first i was like how very dare they how like I, how, how can they not have traditional elves and whatever but the more i played in it and then this game with that ended in the tpk and sort of taking the consequences seriously and realizing that like there was this 
tradition of of mixing science fiction and fantasy and like how all the other media that i enjoy is mixed like all of those are inspirations that are going into this and like it's it's one of a series that we're doing obviously we want to do more of these um uh, but this one's definitely the uh the dark sun inspired version of a dnd setting mm -hmm. great yeah uh, and uh yeah roller don't worry there's 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 some western mixed in there too i mean i think oh, it's yeah. to me it's pretty prevalent in the if you look at the cover there there should be western vibes like uh yeah you know. yeah yes yeah that's deliberate <laughs> fantastic that was, so of course Pruitt's responding to a question uh by roller there on our live chat right at the moment <laughs> asking for um uh, he's hoping for he's going to chip in for weird wastelands, but he's hoping for weird west in there. So the answer is yes. So on that point, we ought to talk more about the product, actually, right? About your guys' Kickstarter. So um, it's it's listed as being created by Jim and Pruitt and Emma, uh, who is the CEO of WebDM, and we're also huge fans of Emma, of course. And then it's co-produced by uh an outside firm if i think i'm if i'm recalling and maybe you can tell us who else is involved with it as far as artists and forward and things like that yeah yeah we've got um 2c gaming is sort of taking on a lot of the uh ancillary uh, aspects of the project although they'll be helping us design and write and, and that as well um in that uh, we're working with uh, celeste conowich she's done a lot of stuff for 5e uh out there for mm -hmm. dm's guild and in other outlets just had her own uh successful kickstarter for venture maidens come out venture so, maidens, yeah. yeah it's been great working with her because she has just like we'll come to her with like ideas for like okay we want it to do this and we want like you know we this is how this is how i would run it at my table for myself off of this post-it note <laughs> that's not going to fly for a product can i how can i put that into something or how can we do this thing that we want to do in, in an elegant way in a way that's maybe something fifth edition players haven't seen um but it's not just uh, celeste we've got editors and they've got a whole stable of artists uh that they've got on board and um and then we managed to snag a forward from uh, Monty Cook because uh, we had we had written a forward for his Archon of the Ancients, which is in a similar kind of like science fantasy. You know, turns out mm -hmm. ancient aliens were on your fantasy world all along. Here's how you can incorporate that kind of vibe. And we were like, it'd be great if we could just get a nod. Because <laughs> uh, I would say the we, we, certainly compatible. We love Monty Cook so much. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm sorry to interrupt. So I, I, I can't oh, yeah. avoid mentioning how much we love Monty Cook. And we had uh, Sean Reynolds, uh, who works with Monty on that. in season two, to talk about exactly that, the, um, uh, mm -hmm. uh, the, the, the Ancients product we, we had Sean Reynolds talking about last time. So viewers can go see that if they want to dig in more from Monty Cook Games, actually. So great, yeah, great person yeah, to partner really with. Cool. Really cool. There's a lot of cool stuff in, in, in that book. Um, it's certainly in the same spirit. Uh, but yeah, we're... Um, I, I, I'm, I'm way off in the weeds over here, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so this is our first Kickstarter, so we wanted to work with someone who'd had a you know record. We'd freelanced with 2C Gaming before uh, Pruitt and I and Emma, we all worked on a couple other epic level books. Um, mm -hmm. And then I, I did some other monster design. But, sure, for but also 2 beat. Yeah, the TPK Beastier Volume yeah, Two. TPK it's monsters for that. Yeah, yeah. So they've got a they've got a bunch of fifth edition products uh, out there. They're all great. They're outstanding, uh, and so we're really really happy to be working with them on this one. Awesome. 
Uh, maybe you can tell our viewers a little bit more about some of the uh, exciting uh, extras and uh, stretch goals or other stuff that's coming up uh, that they can get if they join the Kickstarter. Yeah. You want to take this one, Pruitt? Yeah. I mean, uh, wait, has the has the, the workbook has been... We've passed that stretch goal, right? So, yeah, I that. yeah. I'm a professional. So, I have the web page up. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I just need to scroll down. Um, so uh, the workbook... Uh, is something that we're really excited about having like an actual DMs workbook. So when you are incorporating elements uh, or creating elements for your game, you have somewhere to like jot that down, have hex maps in there to, to write your own maps and like sections to write, you know, player stats and stuff to keep anything you need to keep up with uh, when you're using elements from the book, uh, just to hear like doodle all over this, you know, I mean, this is yours. Uh, so uh, also I, I, uh, I can't wait to get a flask. That's part of, part of, it's part of the, uh, the collector's thing. It just looks so freaking cool. And just the idea of a flask in a wasteland is just uh, it's top notch for me. Um, but, There's uh, your western theme right there if you need it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll make a stretch goal like a spittoon or something. I don't know. Um, I might need that. I might need that. Um, but also we uh we uh, we've uh we've got our quest deck that was uh that was unlocked uh so we'll have some we'll just have a deck full of just here's a here's a little quest you can go on you know just uh, but all again tied back into everything that's in the book so you know it's all kind of self-referential and and the way we have we're gonna have the book formatted uh we learned a lot from like money cook games and having having all of the little annotations in the side. So when you're reading something, you're like, oh, that rule, huh? And you look to the side. Yeah, this rule on page 245. So you can flip right to it, you know, and just the way a book is laid out is so important. And we just want to make sure that people can get to the information that we're trying to provide. That's all. That's like one of the highest, uh, the the, the best goals that we can achieve, I think, is having the information uh, in easy to get and concise. That's great. The book the book looks great, and now that you mention it, I actually can see bits of Monty Cook, you know, advice in the way that it's laid out. As a matter of fact, when you mention it, because he's very very mm-hmm. mindful about that, and that's a good that's a good track to be on. Um, yeah, it's it's why I fell in love with that system, the cipher system in general. Like, and all of those books, they're just so easy to read and to retain, and, and so it's just kind of like, well, why, you know, let's. You know, let's not make others' mistakes. Let's just follow the path that you know uh, leads us here. I can't wait to work on war wagons. I'm just going to say that right now. That's a that's a stretch goal that got unlocked uh, because we, we we've been kicking around some very interesting ideas uh, and having some 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 giggles. So uh, anyway. <clears throat> I like the fact that your Kickstarter is exploding so fast that you literally mid-show here have to be smashing the F5 button yeah, yeah. Which was, <laughs> yeah. Show yeah. in order to figure out where you currently are because mm-hmm. from minute to minute, different stretch goals are getting unlocked while we're here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a reason we had some, we're hiring somebody to help run the Kickstarter because I would just be overwhelmed if it was just me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like, uh, like we, we've already unlocked an actual play that we will do using this material to show you how to incorporate that. Uh, Jim, do we know who's going to run that game yet? Have we discussed that? I mean, I'm sure probably I probably will. I'll probably run that one. Uh, yeah. Oh man, I that's what I was. That's what I was assuming. This was one of those that I was I like, know. oh, we're doing one of those. All right. <laughs> 
Oh, can, you know, I, can, I can I play consider, in it? Can I <laughs> <you can> consider? <laughs> think about possibly co-DMing it. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. Sure, yeah, yeah, it's right. a possibility. Yeah, yeah. Tell us how to do our job. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Okay, point to Jim. All right, I'll give a point to Jim for that. There it is. There it is. Oh, that's great. Uh, and, and, I, and I also, you know, the one thing I really like there um, about features were that I love the custom dice and the dice bags, actually. Yeah, yeah. The, the custom wasteland dice, I was like, oh, you know, I tend to be really high threshold to, like, want new dice, but I really love the design of these, honestly. Yeah, they look. I like them too. They're looking nice. The, a lot of the add-on stuff, the sort of the extras, is like, the, apart from the flask. The flask was really like, we can have a flask. Like we have it. We have, a, we have to have a flask. Right? Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> the idea of like of, of having you know physical things for when you're able to get back with your friends and and game in person. That's sort of like driving like the quest deck and the dice of, of just being able to say, okay, well we're playing this this game right now okay i'm going to use these dice these are the this is what we can have we were i'm going to keep my i i don't want to let slip anything i'm not supposed to yet but having things that you can use at the table and and uh to enhance your game i, I really like that i love handouts i love tokens i love cards i love chits and maps and minis and terrain and all that so we wanted as much of that as we could get in there without it being you know like a 500 pound box that cost you know, too much. You know, like something that's still affordable, reasonable, and not too uh, too cluttered. Yeah, <laughs> brilliant. We, we we and we we love that stuff too. So I think that's particularly as we transition back to actually playing people with people live. That's a really that that really kind of touches my heart. Actually, that uh, that that's it's a good time for that. Honestly, yeah, Very yeah. Nice. It's going to be like another. You know, we're looking for fulfillment for like the physical products by like say sometime around the end of the summer early fall next year and you know you'll have the pdfs long before then but it's still going to be a while so we're, by then we hope that like everybody's back and and sort of like uh you know getting into a groove of playing in person again and so being able to like open a box that looks like you dug it up from the ground you know and have a deck of cards to go like well these are the this is what may be available in this particular settlement or whatever this part of the wasteland like there's some things you can do um you know, you're going to use the dice everything else like just gives a tactile sort of enhancement to the game that um, super i'm excited about yeah super super all right, so I personally, I want to dig into some of the details that you guys did publicize with the sample PDF text that people, I think, can get uh, online mm -hmm. at the moment. And yep. so you've got new subclasses, you've got new monsters, you've got magic items, you've got, you know, encounter areas and things like that. So I was surprised to see, like, one of your highlight um, uh, subclasses was a new circle for druids, because initially I was like, well... It's a wasteland. That's that's not the place for druids. So maybe tell us why uh, you came up. You wanted to highlight druids and and what are what is your druid's special abilities and how does it fit into the theme of the wastelands? Yeah, yeah. To me, a druid's a real uh, asset in a, in a game like this. Um, I, I, in third edition, I played a druid in, in sort of a dark sun inspired game, and, and and you know I did, did it deliberately to be like no, I want to be at home out here. I want to be able to like deal with the challenges and so that's kind of the design philosophy that we have with all of our subclasses which is not to negate the tools that a subclass would give you to 
overcome parts of the wasteland, but to like lean into it. And also the wasteland's like more than just sandstorms and temperature, you know? Um, so for the druids in, uh, in the wastelands, um, I wanted to like capture that connection that druids have to nature magic in the natural world. And like, what's it going to be like to be a druid after an environmental collapse and cataclysm, you know, like you still, it's still nature's still there. You know, there's still plants, there's still animals, there's still some, some life left, you know, deserts are surprisingly full of life, except for, you know, the most extreme of them. Um, and so like, at the same time, this is a person who has a spiritual connection to the, to the supernatural embodiment of, of the place that was harmed and is, and is still harmed. And so the circle of a broken land, like is, is a barbarian inspired Druid that, that sort of like that connection, that primal connection to, to, to supernatural nature has become a source of pain and anguish and like spirits of nature, you know, cry out to these druids, the ghosts of dryads and things like that, uh, you know, demanding justice. And so we want a druid that can like just lay a beat down on <laughs> the, the, the people who are either making it worse, maybe perpetuated this cataclysm in the first place, or who might just deserve it in sort of a rough justice uh, wasteland kind of way. Um, so we have a melee druid. Uh, you know, a, a home for your shillelagh finally in, uh, in, in 5e, <laughs> uh, especially if you didn't like uh, a bunch of gross spores and fungus uh, with your druids. But um, the idea there is that as they sort of advance in level and become more at home in the wasteland, they can perform a ceremony that, uh, that allows them to sort of propitiate or appease the wasteland spirits that give some certain benefits like you don't have to drink while you're here you can just eat gravel and sand and dirt or like you trading hit dice for being able to uh reduce exhaustion levels uh be another one of those because you know exhaustion is going to be a big part of dealing with the uh, wasteland hazards yeah. um they're good outdoors you know but their primary focus is is that of a sort of like nature's avenger that they're here to to sort of be an expression of the pain that the primal forces of this land uh, suffer because of the cataclysm. I have to say, good on you for getting ahead of of, of the curve here, because I, I had a chuckle, a personal chuckle over seeing Druid stuff in there, because I, I'm reminded immediately of uh, many, many years ago in the second edition era, playing in a Dark Sun campaign and bringing with me the uh, complete Druid's handbook, and let me tell you, the Desert Druid from the Complete <laughs> Druid's Handbook kind of breaks Dark Sun horribly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so good on you for thinking of the Druid's place in, in this kind of world. I think that's, that's yeah, pretty clever. Yeah. yeah. Like, the, the Druid and Ranger were two that I wanted to pay special attention to. Ranger's going to yeah. be a scavenger, sort of a little bit of a, uh, um artificer, a little bit of a, uh, you know, like... But what I'm going for with the with the ranger is that moment in the beginning of Force Awakens when like Ray is scavenging from that Imperial Star Destroyer in the middle of a yeah, desert. Like yeah. it might not read as much as a spaceship in weird wastelands. It could be a number of things, but that moment of someone who's out there alone, contending with the wilderness and what's in it, which Space Ranger already does, but also able to like take advantage of the scrap and and debris that they find and, and capturing what little magic remains in it uh was important but for both of them i didn't i didn't want someone who plays a ranger or a druid to feel like we were taking something away yeah and i think i think the knee jerk with a lot of 
like DMs who want to make wilderness survival and exploration and travel like difficult or challenging or, or just like an aspect of their games are like, well, we're going to take these spells away. This, this feature isn't as good as it used to be. And like, there's some of that we will provide variants. We're going to, you know, have a variant of natural explorer for Rangers that doesn't like auto success of, you know, their navigation. But I also wanted to take seriously that people that play Rangers and Druids and take spells like Goodberry or tiny huts or something as they they want to be good in those moments. They want to have food to eat. They want to have shelter. They want to be good in the wilderness. And what the design place that we're coming from is like, that's great. We don't want to tell you no. We want you to have those tools. In fact, you might need them because we created a wilderness that fights back. <laughs> like our wilderness isn't just hot temperatures and sandstorms and sort of inhospitable. It's like, it's a magical wasteland. It might change your personality. It might do things to you that are, that are, uh, undesirable and what we're hoping for is that they're not boring and you know they you might not like that they're happening we want them to be interesting and engaging and have some element of choice and so you're going to need those tools that druid and ranger and other things provide to uh, to handle these things that's great you know the so we ha and we have one of the really great pieces of artwork up from that uh druid who's the circle of the broken land there and um i think one of the very first um you know, I got I got a very dark sun vibe reading that druid subclass there, and mm -hmm. the other thing is, uh, you know, my of course my last name is Collins, and my family a ways back is originally from Ireland, and close enough that uh, when my grandfather was alive and he got angry, he would he, like when I was a young kid, he would go, I, I'm so angry, I'm going to go get my shillelagh. He would he would say to us. <laughs> At the time, I wasn't entirely clear what that was. I found out what that was later. It's just like what my gramp's going to get when he gets super angry. Um, right. And it's pretty yeah. much the, the very first sidebar in the sample book here is Jim saying how much he really wanted a campaign setting that allowed the use of shillelaghs. So yes. yeah, as far as I basically. can tell, the whole the whole weird wasteland is basically Jim working more shillelaghs into his game, which I highly respect. <laughs> and I feel from really humble seeds. From that. humble seeds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's a shame that there's not. I, I remember a second edition rain, uh, druid and, and having a lot of fun with shillelagh and being able to survive TPKs and the like because I was a druid. So <laughs> lots of love. <laughs> So you're talking about you're talking about the environment's going to fight back, and about half of your, your sample PDF is about this really interesting encounter area, which is a toxic dump, <laughs> which you refer yeah. to as the 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 alchemical toxic sump, which is mm -hmm. fantastic. And if, yeah. mm -hmm. I, I mean, it's it's public, and I, I think we can I think we can kind of lift the veil a little bit on what's happening there. And so that's the result of a crash of an airship. Um, which is maybe magical or maybe technical, a little bit, a little bit, little bit ambiguous there. But it very much feels like uh, the old school Barrier Peaks adventure kind of popped into my head, or again, Dave Arneson's City of the Ancients adventure. So you've got a downed ship, and it's sprayed a whole lot of magical energy or forces out in the area, and it's now has a bunch of interesting possibilities. It's got interesting new monsters and treasures and things that are simultaneously really dangerous, or you might dig up new treasures out of there. What was yeah. some of the, what was, what was some of your, your thought process that went into the things you're going to find in the, in the, the magical toxic dump? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, like we wanted a, we wanted locations that have story embedded in them. 
I, I think that the fifth edition's focus on story for a while threw me off because I was like, what are you guys talking about? There's the story in D&D is emergent. Blah, 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 blah. And story, 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 story all over the place. And I, I came to, I, like, I felt like I came to a crossroads with him. I was like, I can either continue to be a grumpy grumpster about this <laughs> or I can just be like, screw it. Nobody else seems to have a clear definition for story. I don't need one either. And so for us, what we wanted is like, the locations and the monsters and everything, they, they are pregnant with adventure, that, that there's context, there's stuff there. And so we wanted a place that's not just, oh, it's a ruin, but like to tell you a bit about why it's a ruin, how it became a ruin, and then to make sure it is interactive in a variety of ways and to present those as clearly to the DM as possible so that they can go, all right, well, I, I need the sump today to be a way stop and a longer journey. And so I'm not going to have an encounter there I understand I could have mon there's monsters that might be there, but I don't want that. And I'm going to pick one of the less punishing effects, the contagions, for the pool. So that if they get in trouble, it's not a disaster. You know, it's not like they all have to, like, stand perfectly still in case they move too much that the crystals within them grow out of their body and die. You know, uh, you know, or it could be one where it's like, no, I, I'm, I want to use this, the Magicor, uh, that's its lair. I want to feature this monster heavily in the game. The players are going to come to this location multiple times. We wanted to have a depth so that it, it facilitates those repeat visits, but that it's not so um, intricate or complicated that you can't just like hit it and move on and use the other stuff somewhere else. Fascinating. And of course, so we're currently looking at the image for that not Magicor uh, monster, which I thought was interesting. So it's sort of based on a Manticore, except that it, it's it's massively been changed because it actually consumes magic. And yeah. um, I was I thought that was a really neat creature, actually. And you know, there's a lot of creatures in D and D that you like throw a spell at it and it's just canceled. But yeah. the fact that the Magicor can make use of it. And then, and I thought, I, what I was really kind of thrilled about was the fact it can bite someone that currently has a magic buff and consume the magic buff through through biting or licking uh, yeah. somebody. And I thought that was actually a really clever little twist on the I'm taking away your magic bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I like, um, you know, the Magicor, it, okay, it starts with, the, it's a pun, right? That's fine. It's a magic eating Magicor. Um, <laughs> Manticore is one of my favorite monsters precisely because it's a person head and can talk to you and, and mock you. And I like that it's a lion because lions are lazy and, and sort of like low effort predators for the most part, especially like, you know, male lions, you know, and just sort of imagine a monster that's like physically quite intimidating for a low level party, but just couldn't maybe not can't be bothered right now to get up and fight you or try to eat you unless like, oh, you're a wizard though? Like, how many spells do you have in your, that brain of yours right now? <laughs> uh, so, and we also, from a design perspective, I wanted something that was other than like, oh, it has magic resistance, advantage to attack, or like legendary resistance and can just like cancel one of your spells entirely. I, want, I relied on like counterspell and dispel magic as, as sort of the features, but because the magicor itself isn't casting a spell in those moments. It's its being is absorbing the magic. That's going to unlock some of its own spells, uh, which are there to help it fly faster and mess with you in a role-playing counter and that kind of thing. Um, and then I just wanted it to hit like a truck. Uh, so, so we just sort of increased the damage on it and, and made it just a little bit tougher uh, so that it could be a real uh, 
challenge for a low-level party who might happen to stumble across this thing. So I, I don't have the text here in front of me, um, but Dan mentioned a thing that I want to follow up on because I need to know the answer <laughs> to this. Uh, he said that it could bite or lick. Is there a separate yeah. lick attack? How does how does there's not there is a uh, it can lick a any magic that, uh, that sticks to it off of itself, um, yeah, but I okay. you know how a DM wants to reflavor a bite attack is up to them. You know I'm not going to stand in anybody's way. <laughs> I mean it, it is Imagine a legendary. Of tongue's pretty rough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then just Tina, the artist, the... just like brought it to life. I love that picture. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's really great. That's really great. That's fantastic. You know, I so I was reading. Yeah, go ahead, Paul. I was just going to say the, the the evocative description of of it doing it via a lick and and the fact that it that as you mentioned, Jim, that it can talk to you. So I'm just yeah. imagining it saying some really uh, nefarious things as it stalks forward, licking its chops. Oh, certainly. I mean, it's the same reason I included ghouls in the encounter table too, because ghouls are nice. Again, I can talk to you as it's trying to eat you, and and like I I just you know. I like that. So those are, those are why I included that's those. That's fantastic. I don't think I've ever right. used talking ghouls in my game. Oh my god, they have like, a, in 5th edition at least, they have like a 7 int that can speak common. You I know, never thought can, of that. As, yeah, it's terrifying <laughs> when they start that's, talking to you. That's great. You know, and that's very Lovecraftian, right? Lovecraftian ghouls. He was conversing oh, yeah. with Randolph Carter and all that kind of thing and went hanging out with them. So that's that's the thing. The thing yeah. is, I'll point out, you didn't you didn't actually literally call them ghouls in the encounter table. So personally, I was reading and was like, oh, some weird wasteland, you know, dune type natives. And then the second paragraph goes, oh, and they're ghouls and they're going to paralyze you. I'm like, oh, and they're ghouls. I, yeah. Yeah. That. And I, and I think there might be a rumor on the rumor chart that's like wastelanders have a, a custom of like showing each other their teeth. Because if they have black teeth, it means they're a ghoul or a cannibal, and so like I, that's that's another sort of like I don't know if you're, it doesn't if you're if you're if you can make the connection, it's going to add to your game. If not, leaving it out isn't going to ruin anything. Is sort of why that's the, the approach there. Yeah. Wow, it's really it really surprising how much that how much just just slightly relabeling it changes like my whole interaction with somebody shows up and then. A second later, oh, they're, and they're ghouls. Great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why are they all wrapped up like that? Oh, it's Sandy out here. No, no, they're ghouls. <laughs> there was a while where I was reading. I was reading the sample, and I was wondering this this encounter area and the magic core. What's the intended tier or player level? Because the 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 magic core is really beefy. As someone said, it's basically a monster truck, basically. Thank you, Ruler. Um, and it wasn't until fairly late that you've got the you've got a random encounter table in there, and it says mm-hmm. we assume that this is an area for maybe four PCs of the third level. And I'm like, third level? Jim and Pruitt are not <laughs> kidding around. They are they are willing yeah, yeah, to no, throw it's deadly. Real yeah, yeah, heavy you gotta be careful around that thing. <laughs> There's an iron golem wow. too. Yeah, you gotta be careful yeah. for that. <laughs> uh, yeah, but there's also like two dust methods. You have to spend two rounds roughing up before they'll, they'll run away. You know, like we wanted a wide range of of possible encounters, and especially with the magic core, like there's a lot of excuse for the DM not to go all out. Like this thing, its flaw is it's astonishingly lazy, you know. So it's it it makes sense that maybe the first few times you encounter it, you're just talking to it, or it's just around, you know. And and only later, maybe when it's most inconvenient, does it, you know, you do it, you know, go for the TPK. You make a good effort at it, and this thing will help. But by by fifth level, party should be able to mop the floor with it, especially you know, it's got a lot of ranged attacks. <laughs> 
You know, likewise, uh, I'll say that because Jim a while back mentioned the contagions or diseases that come out of the, the gunk in the toxic sump. And I was you are you are seriously not kidding around. I was very surprised. So and we act for some reason, we actually talk about diseases a lot on the show and the proper <laughs> way of using them. And your diseases are really lethal. They are. Yeah, I was. Yeah. How many people do you kill with that stuff? Because that stuff is your is, is enormously dangerous. I didn't think people yeah, did that yeah. in fifth edition anymore, frankly. They don't. Not a lot of them do. And I, that's part of why we wanted to put it in there, because we want to have we we've had enough people tell us they want things like this that the the mm. kind of like get gloves of of a lot of the official stuff uh it just doesn't stick that they have a hard time feeling like there's consequences or that something's at risk and sort of like well listen we're pretty this is clearly not fluid you should be messing with right like this is the out sour alchemical reagents leaking up from a crash and like there's it's the reason this whole place is a desert in the first place like if you if you do something as foolish enough as drink it you don't even get a save right it just you're affected by it and so at the same time you could dredge it for treasure it's valuable as an alchemical reagent you know once processed you may want to push someone into it um there are some effects on there that aren't like terrible they're just inconvenient you know the one that turns you to sort of like a drooling idiot while you experience visions and have your dm answer questions for you you know uh, as if they were an oracle is great but like you got to stick around that place for a while to before that can wear off um so we, we wanted almost all of them to have an element of choice to them and to be interesting nothing that's like save or die you know nothing that's like oh one die roll and now i can't play my character anymore so the ones that do have a a chance to kill you there's an element of choice you know there's like all right you've been infected by this thing that's going to cause crystals to grow in your joints every time you move you could just not move and not take any damage but then like somebody has to carry you and 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 like, you got to ride this thing out you know? uh or the one that's like you're infected with uh uh you know energy imbalance and you've got like 30 d6 of damage that you, that is gonna go off in yeah. an hour yeah but you could little by little do one two three however many d6 you want at your leisure at your convenience by yourself in a group of enemies next to the character who's immune to that particular energy type i want to do all fire i want to do all radiant whatever like you just know in an hour this is going to happen and it's up to you as a player to like figure out how to deal with that we didn't want it to be a death sentence we wanted you to be able to say like well maybe i just do a little bit over the course of an hour and then somebody heals me up or or something like that um so yeah we want it to be interesting and not like something you've ever seen before i thought i thought that stuff was very creative and i, I my eyes really popped at the 30 dice of damage disease um <laughs> that was my eyes i was gonna just have 10. Okay. she was like oh, it's gotta be 30. Okay. Oh, fantastic <laughs> okay Great. We'll point for Celeste. Okay. That's, 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 that's really respectable. And, and the other right. option of having like, possibly oh, no do. save for one of them. I mean, you guys, you know, Jim and Pruitt, you guys are a hundred times more experienced with fifth edition than I am. But like, I thought there was fifth edition D and D police that came around and, and, and took you off stage. If, if you did a non save, a no save effect yeah. these days, does that not, that, that's yeah. not a thing, I guess. I mean, I have I, the, the cops can show up if they want, but you know, I, I I've got a bug out bag and uh, escape route, so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, presumably the intro to the book itself uh, will have you know a word of warning, um, but we we wanted to present something that's like you might never have 
played with something like this before. And, and that's why we're presenting a toolkit and not an adventure path, not a, a setting uh, in and of itself. It's just pick and choose at your leisure what you like. You like the arcane paroxysm? You like that, but you don't want anything else? Then maybe it's something your villain can do. You know, they have a contagious spell slot that's going to eat up all your other spell slots, something like that, you know. Um, that's my favorite one, personally. Uh, you know, you, you see an effect that that seems interesting, but you're like, oh, that's a lot. Like, I don't, 30 dice of damage, that could be a lot. But, okay, 10, 5, however, you know. It's, it's there for you to change. Like, the DIY, change it, make something yourself is why I've stuck with this hobby as long as I have, because it offers endless outlet for creativity and um we just want to like share some of that with everybody yeah that's awesome that's awesome uh, so before before we totally before we totally run out of time um I, there's about the last there's a, there's a, there's one sidebar in there where i think you, jim you were you were writing and you write um you all are gonna have to wait for the book to get these sweet technomancy spells yeah so I, I get it. I didn't want to keep something behind the behind the screen, but I mean, we're all friends here, and we can keep Certainly. a secret. So maybe you can Certainly. tell us a little bit about the technomancy spells before anybody else knows about it. Yeah. Pruitt, do you do you recall what we were talking about the other day for one of them, Pruitt? Uh, we were talking about a lot the other day for them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the temporary conveyance. Oh yeah, the temporary conveyance. Yeah, uh, yeah, I could. Yeah, okay. So, imagine um, like tiny hut, but just a ball of um, of just debris and detritus that you cobble together, and it just kind of rolls. And so, it's not comfortable, right? <laughs> but we need to get across this desert really fast, or we are going to bake in the sun. Everybody. Just hang on. And, you know, the wizard is, I, I'm imagining, is in the middle like a gyroscope. They don't move, but everybody yeah, like, else, uh, or actually, <laughs> I'm sorry, Pacific, Pacific Rim Uprising. It's not a great movie, but the little the little Jaeger that rolls up in a ball and just rolls everywhere, that's like what I'm thinking. It's just a like a, like a tumbleweed of trash that just, yeah, you and like four people can just right across there, 100, 100 feet around or something. Uh but yeah, it's not going to be fun. You you know, you might have to make yeah, a save right. like or like a con save if if you go too long or you get flung out. But yeah, you know. I feel like yeah, I feel like having the uh, I feel like having the wizard in the center kind of floating and thus immune to the effect mm -hmm. while, while the rest of the party is bouncing around like yeah. a crazy hamster wheel is just yeah. like right. delightful for creating inter-party yeah. strife. So well yeah, done. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. The the Technomancer we envisioned as being like a junk wizard or a junkyard mm. wizard. The, that they are surrounded mm -hmm. by the magitech artifacts of a cosmic level civilization that destroyed itself. They don't know anything about it. Nobody yeah. left, you know, like they, they're having to piece together their knowledge from, from, you know, experimentation with what they find in a ruin. And so, like, we wanted a lot of those spells to, to have that kind of reckless feel to them. Like, uh, this is a big pile of scrap. I, I think I can make a golem out of it. Give me a second, you know, and it, yeah. it's going to last like, for like magic, maybe like, like MacGyver for magic. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and to to be able to mess with and customize and and sort of unlock the inherent magic that's in objects uh, and, and things like that to 
Also, mm-hmm. we can't use Artificer because it's not in the SRD. So yeah. <laughs> we, we needed something that had a technological component to it. Uh, and mm-hmm. um, that was another uh, uh, one of those like, oh, man, we can't do Artificer subclass. Like, All right. Technomancer. Yeah, but it's it's but it's really dangerous out there. So you know, uh, something that we love from like Warhammer fantasy role playing, you know, you could lose a limb just like that, and so you're going to need somebody to craft you a, a limb out of like you know, a couple of pieces of wood and like a ball joint mm-hmm. and uh, you know that that yeah. that dragon claw or whatever. Yep. Yeah, I, I get it for you. Just give me like ten minutes. You know, just like I imagine like a mechanic at the corner, you know, like the corner like gas station. Like, oh yeah, we get the part coming in. But um, it's going to yeah. be expensive, you know. Like right. that's your techno answer. That's, <laughs> that's great. We we are we are running close to the edge of time here, uh, gentlemen. Is there is there anything uh, about about the project that we haven't covered that you want to make sure we got to before uh, before we're out? I mean, I we, we talked a lot about the design work I've been doing. Pruitt's been doing a lot with the Scion, and he's had his work cut out for him. Um, but that preview is uh, as yet uh, not ready for release, right, Pruitt? Uh, yeah, it's, it, it, it is coming soon. Uh, I'm not sure. Like, I don't. I can't remember the exact date we decided on, but a weekish away, a little bit over, yeah, maybe. Soon. Um, soon. But yeah, soon. Uh, we. But yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. Uh, it's tough. I understand why uh, Wizards of the Coast abandoned the Mystic and just was like, eh, let's just do subclasses. Why not? Just screw it. You know, um, so, you know, like I said, my, my head has been in every kind of media that has any kind of like psionics in it or version of psionics. And so uh, just try to, trying to present something that is both familiar and new is a very difficult thing, especially for someone who is new to design as I am. So I hope people like it. I really do. I think it's an interesting take on it. Uh, it is not what you're, it is. We're not doing spellcasting like you expect. Like it's nothing like the other spellcasters. Uh, and it's just a scion that, you know, if you need to, uh, you can go really low energy pretty much all day. Like, that's what I want. I wanted a workhorse. But in the end, you can, like, like I want to build in there that, yeah, you can kill yourself with your own power. Like, I want that as part of the class. Hmm. You can push yourself to the point in that moment when you need to be a hero and there's no one else. Guess what? Cue up the music. I need a hero. <laughs> Uh, and so like, you can do that. Like, and that is, that's not a, that's not a bug. That's a feature, you know? So it's, again, this is all about choice. Like it's dangerous out here. And you know, if, uh, if, if your story needs to end at this moment, you literally can choose that moment to be like, no, you know, uh, it's it's a little long in the tooth. And, and even for players, this is their first edition at the, I, it's, it's, uh, we want to offer them a chance to stretch their legs and having a class that can literally kill itself uh, is one of those like, you're, you guys know what you're doing now. You're D&D players. You can handle this. Yeah. <laughs> that's great. That's, that's awesome. I got, I got one last question. It's real fast. It's both Jim and Pruitt. Uh, mm-hmm. Pro or anti potion miscibility table? Depends how many potions pro. you drink. Yeah, pro. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Point to Jim. The correct answer is pro. <laughs> <laughs> and also yeah, point I love to pro because actually that's a table. pretty good point as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think there awesome. should be different. There should be different uh, t- 
tables depending on how many potions you drink. Oh, yeah, that's what you, yeah, you okay. didn't realize that Peru was like Pro Plus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not, you're right. Not yeah. intense <laughs> enough. <laughs> Okay, extra credit point. Extra credit point for Pruitt. Yeah, Good yeah. point. I got I'm a lot an, of food right now from Weird Wastelands. Yeah, I'm just an enabler over what here. Came to mind. <laughs> just drink <laughs> another one. Just drink another one. See what happens. Yeah. <laughs> well, folks, if you want to check out Weird Wastelands, uh, I'm dropping the link again into the chat. Uh, you can also... Uh, uh, I'm sure it'll be linked here in the description of the YouTube video as well. And what better way to get updates as this uh, project proceeds than to go ahead and uh, and pledge on, on Kickstarter, and you'll get all the updates uh, real-time, and you can watch this amazing project take off. So uh, check it out there. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. Thank you, absolutely. guys. Um, uh, and uh, I guess, Paul, people should uh, add other comments if they have things to tell us about uh, after the show, I think. Sure. Yeah, leave us comments here in the in the YouTube video uh, if you have further uh, questions that haven't been answered. But again, I think the best way to get updates is to go straight to the Kickstarter. You're right. Paul is the first <laughs> one. Listen to Paul. Don't listen to me. Listen to Paul. This is what you should do. And um, if you're new, if you are new to the Wandering DMs channel, uh, don't forget that you can like, follow, and subscribe to us on a variety of different social media. We are on YouTube and Twitch and Facebook and Twitter and GitHub. And we do have the handle Wandering DMs on all those sites, so please uh, look for us there, and you'll get updates on future wonderful guests that we're going to have. And if we can manage to get Jim and Pruitt, uh, maybe Emma back on at some future point, you'll find out when that's happening. If you prefer to listen to this show in audio-only podcast format, you can get them at our website at wanderingdams.com. Uh, they're also available through various podcast carriers such as Google Podcast, iTunes, Spotify, and a few others, I think. If you are listening to this podcast from one of those carriers, please take a moment to rate and review us there on that site. That helps other users of those sites find us, and we really appreciate it. We very much do. Uh, a couple notes on upcoming shows on Wandering DMs. Uh, the Book of War Wargaming is off for this week, but uh, Paul is going to be back on Thursday at 8 p.m. with a uh, interim uh, 10 Dead Rats fill in for a couple weeks where he's going to have a guest DM show up, I think, for a couple guests, a couple weeks for a, a very special um, uh, non traditional game for a couple weeks there. So look for that. Uh, Paul and I will be back next week, of course. Uh, big thanks, as usual, we have to give out to the patrons, the Wandering DMs. Uh, you guys are great and make everything that we do here possible, including get wonderful guests like Jim and Pruitt here. Uh, to chat with us. So if you're in a position to join our generous sponsors, please do go to patreon.com slash wanderingdms, pick a tier that's appropriate for you, and you'll see a whole bunch of benefits to those tiers, such as uh, discounts on merch, monthly behind-the-scenes videos, polls and surveys on things that you'd like to see coming up, and access to our private Discord server, including after-party chat that we have after our Sunday shows, and we'll be there in a couple minutes, and we'll have a wonderful conversation with our patrons. And, and maybe, maybe, if they have a couple extra minutes, maybe we'll get Jim and or Pruitt into that chat in a couple minutes for our uh, patrons on Discord. Maybe you guys can join us then. Yeah, oh. definitely. Once my basement has stopped, so noisy. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. So huge uh, thanks to Jim and Pruitt. Yes, please do go uh, follow the Weird Late Wastelands uh, Kickstarter and back that. We are super interested to see the additional stretch goals that get rolled out, hopefully, and everything that's uh, going so well for you guys. Uh, so, Jim and Pro, thank you so much. Hopefully, we'll get you on again sometime. Anytime. Thanks for having Love us. Love talking to you guys. 
Awesome. Don't forget, Wandering Dams, we are here every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We'll be back next week. We hope that you'll join us then for another thought-provoking discussion. We'll see you then.